0: Father, we thank you for each person here. Lord, you know in their hearts what they're struggling with. You know their personalities. You know their home situations. You know their futures. And Lord, we just thank you that you care about us and that you want us to live a um, healthy Christian life. And I pray, Lord, that what we do here will be all to your honor and glory and that because people came here today, They will have benefited and have something to think about when it's um, time to pray and to think about where they can be with you because of something they learned. In your holy name, amen. And I was thinking about my prayer. Have you ever learned a new word and then all of a sudden you heard it all the time? And sometimes you don't know what direction you're going, but if you actually hear the information, then it makes more sense when you're working on something. Well, the longer I live, and I've been living a long time, the more I realize that there is a connection between our thinking life and our mental health. And our thoughts and our words really impact our lives in many ways. So many people's problems are rooted in the way they're thinking. Do you think that's true? And it actually can produce more problems than if they weren't thinking that way. Would you agree with that? A negative mind produces negative behaviors. Do you agree with that? Our words can actually be a trap that we can get stuck in if we don't get control of them. And the only way we can get control of them is with who? With God working through our lives. Here is a verse from Proverbs 23, 7. It says, Thoughts are powerful, and they have creative ability. For he who thinks in his heart, so is he. Did you hear that? So if I think I'm fat and ugly, then I am. Because of the way I'm thinking, I actually take that on. If I think that I am lost, I actually take that on. So the way that I think actually impacts who I am. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he who reckons, he says to you, eat and drink, yet his heart is not with you, but is grudging the cost. Can you have a positive, now think about this, this is a big question, and I want to hear a firm yes or no. Can you have a positive, healthy, exciting Christian life with a negative mind? you really believe that, then you have a responsibility, don't you? How many of you want a positive life? How many of you want a stable, healthy life? How many of you want a Christian life that is to the fullest? How many of you want to represent God 100% as much as possible to the best of your ability with Him involved in, in your life? So if you struggle with negative feelings, you really have to come to grips with why you're allowing yourself to go down that path. Now, by the way, did we all get perfect in a day? Wouldn't that be nice if after Monday... Are you having a hard time hearing me? Really? Wow. It's because of that air conditioner on? You think we could switch it off? Because I have a loud voice, so... They're singing. OK, then, we should tell them that they shouldn't sing, right? <laughs> We're going to sing at the end, by the way. Um, those of you who struggle with depression, or those of you who have personalities of melancholy, does anybody know about the four temperaments about sanguine? No. Fla- okay, sanguine's the outgoing, happy person. The um, phlegmatic is the laid-back person. The um, choleric is the very driven type A person. This is in the, in a nutshell. And then the melancholy, they're perfectionists, but they are having more moods. I want you to know that if you have melancholy in your personality naturally, you have more struggles than the average person when it comes to your thinking. That does not mean that you cannot overcome. But just like somebody who has to get um, get used to a disability, they have to struggle with it more. And God will give them the grace and help them, but it's not fun that we live in a world where it's unfair and you have to struggle with something more, but that's what happens. There are people who are more obsessive than others. And so they, all of these people may need a little more help than just coming to a seminar. They may need to see a counselor. They may need to go to a group. They ne- may need a accountability partner. So I want to say that the way that we think um, will impact us and please don't let it go work on it progressively because when we have negative thinking it will hurt our relationships with people in our lives and that will be miserable how many of you get uptight (laughs) and is that all right and so today it's called uptight but not all, and instead of all right. And with God's help, I'm continually reminded about how I get uptight about things. Even today, I was very uptight over something that somebody told me they were going to do. And I was like very upset. Somebody, I, I walked around to see all of the... Um, Classes because my husband and I work on classes, the groups that you are attending. That's what our responsibility is in the conference, is to work on classes. Over a hundred and some of those classes. Did you know that? And as I did, people kept stopping me wherever I went and they would tell me about an issue that they were having. We have many issues going on, don't we? We are getting close to the end of time and people are suffering everywhere. And some of the things we've never even heard of. I mean, things that you never had to deal with before. But we are all struggling. And when we are getting towards the last days, I really believe the Lord is withdrawing some of His power from the... Yes, He's withdrawing from the earth and you're seeing a lot more problems. And aren't you almost seeing that it's almost popular to have problems? I mean, like people don't know what's right. Like you tell... Like somebody comes into my office for counseling and they're having an affair and I say, wow, it must be feeling bad that you're doing that to your spouse. And they go, oh no, not really. They deserve it. it's like, oh, okay. Okay. Now where do I begin? Okay. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, I was embezzling from Target, but, and I go, wow, you must've been fearful that people would notice or, or when you, you know, that you're going to be found out or that you're going to have to go and apologize. And they go, no, I don't plan to do that. It's like, Oh, okay. I'm like, you just have to figure out because there's like, there's like no foundation unless God has com- convicted you that there's sin, right? And um, I understand 60% of Christians don't even believe that there's a hell out there or a devil. So, I wanted to also say, when you were a child, how many times did you fall down as you were learning to walk? What if the first time you fell down, you said, I'm not doing this anymore? And I just want you to know that every day we're going to fall down, and the Lord knows how to pick us up. And he's really happy when we are willing to reach out our hand to him because he really does want to help us. So, all right. So we learned a lot about feelings in our last session. And I just wanted to ask you if you think feelings are hard to change. How many of you would say feelings are hard to change? I can't help but feel that way. Any of you would say that? Well, not that many of you. Yes. Okay, let me try that again. How many of you would say it's very hard to change my feelings? Yes. Okay. How many of you think that you could change your feelings within a minute or two if you wanted to? Ooh. Okay, hold that thought. By the way, um, Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'd like you to think about that right now, just for a minute. I will never leave thee or forsake thee. So, hey, Orange, I'm going to miss you today. You're not wearing your orange today. I was going to say, Orange needs to hold up his card. So how do you feel when you think about, I will never leave thee or forsake thee? What kind of words, feelings, words do you think about? Hmm. Comforted, what else? Confused, I wouldn't have thought that, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Okay, okay, anything else? Secure, safe, comforted. Anything else? Hmm. Assurance that what God is going to take care of everything. Okay. Careful. Isn't that encouraging? So, would are those positive feelings or negative feelings? All right. All right. So now, I have another thought. Here's the thought. The one without the H, I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. Okay, here's a thought. I'd like you to think about when somebody said something that was very unkind or inconsiderate to you. Maybe they demeaned you or they hurt you in some way. They said something like they didn't expect that you were going to be successful or whatever, I would like you to think about that for a few seconds, okay? Most of you, how many of you can think of something like that? Okay, good. I'm like, how many of you are in the world? Okay. In the human world. So think about that for a few seconds. How do you feel right now as you think about that? Hurt, sad. Wow, you are really... Did you notice that you were better on those negative feelings than you were on those positive (laughs) feelings? That's because when they looked at the research, 77% of the thoughts that we have in our head are negative or unhelpful. 77%. So we have been influenced by the world. But you just said very negative feelings of hurt, betrayed, uncomfortable, demeaned. Insecure, did you know that I only took about a minute to do that, so you just went from happy feelings to negative feelings did you notice that so do you, I'm going to ask you a question again do you think that you can change your feelings within a minute or two? Yes. Good. Our experiment worked because that is very true that when you decide to change your You can change your, and hopefully that will change your, and when we change our behaviors and our thoughts and we, feelings we're not in trouble for, but our thoughts will impact our feelings. But when we change our behavior and our thoughts, it has a huge help on our spiritual life, right? If I feel that God is taking care of me, I'm more happy with God than when I start to think God hates me. And why? I, I've had clients that have told me, why does God hate me so much? Just because they've had some bad things go on in their life. So I just wanted to, I had an extra piece of paper. I just wanted to say that you just did a really good job. <laughs> All right. What do you know... Oh, yes, that's very true. Our thoughts and our feelings make up our character. And I want to have a good character, and I have to keep working on it. And the work is, when you are working it out with your fear and trembling, it's staying focused on God. That's where it is. The average person's worries and thoughts, 40% are on things that will never happen. 30% are on things that happened in the past that can't be changed. We just keep holding it and thinking about why we didn't do something. 30%, I'm sorry, uh, 12% are on criticism by others that is mostly untrue. 10% is about our health problems and 8% about real problems that we might face in the future. So second, I'm sorry, Isaiah 41.10 says, We are changed by hearing the word of God. And so when we talk, I want to talk about it's important to read that word out loud because it says we're changed by hearing the word of God. And when we hear it aloud from ourselves, it just seems that we are more aware of it. So when you're having your worship, sometimes it would be a benefit to read something aloud. Now, if you're in a classroom and you're trying to do a quiet one and you're talking to yourself, people might think a little weirdly of you, but... Here's 41.10. says, fear not. What does it say? What does that mean? Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Who's that? Be not dismayed. What is dismayed? Disturbed, upset, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Does um, God lie? I will strengthen you. I will help you. Who's going to help us? Yeah, some people don't always help us well, but God helps us every time. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What feelings do you get when you think about that? Are you encouraged? Do you recognize that keeping verses in your mind are an encouragement to you? It's very important. And sometimes when we think, oh, God is just... I don't hear God or whatever he always is near because he promised he doesn't lie and sometimes we run away from him when we don't hear him or we don't feel him but our feelings are not truthful indicators of God's presence and sometimes we say well why didn't he answer my prayer well There's a joke, something about a time, a time, and a half a time. God's got a different time than the rest of us, right? It could be a long time. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. When we talk about anxiety, the root problem is fear. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. for The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Again, when you think about that, What feelings do you get? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'm like, feelings? Yeah, very important. George Mueller, anybody heard of him? He says, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. So when we are threatened and fearful, we are not feeling faithful. We are not having faith in God. Here's another quote that I like before we get into the next part. Um, All of a sudden, I realize that I'm not on the page that I wanted to be. How's that? I'm like, this is not going the way I expected. All right. I'm going I'm to go to something completely different. Anybody ever heard of Asaph? That was David's musician. Did you know he had a hired musician, music teacher? And we can find the story about him in Psalm 73. So if you are there, you might as well go to that. Okay. Go to Psalm 73. By the way, Paul says in the Old Testament, 1 Corinthians ten eleven, that when we look at Old Testament stories... These things were written to us as examples for us. They were written to us to warn us at the end of the age. And I think that this story is amazing. So talk about feelings and thoughts and all the rest. To me, this is just, it embodies it. And that's what we're going to really talk about today. Psalm 73. Now, King David loved music, did he not? What was so great about King David and music? What did he do? He wrote music. He played music. He had a harp. And wasn't there another music instrument? Okay. Asaph went through some of the same emotional battles that we went through today. And he kept a journal where he wrote down his raw feelings. By the way, research shows that when you write down your feelings, that your mental health improves. Did you know that? There's something about seeing your prayers answered, seeing how you were feeling on a certain day, and then seeing what God decided to do about it. And so when we write like a prayer journal, like we're writing a story to him, actually they've looked at people who have cancer and people who have mental health issues. Their blood pressure goes down, their their, um, resilience is better, they're more social, etc. So it's a good thing. But this journal is in Psalms for us to read. And so I think that's really cool. Psalm 73, verse 1. And so he writes... Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now, he is coming to God not because he's happy. He's coming to God because he's miserable. But what did he start the journal with? Is that a good idea? Have you noticed that a lot of people talk to God like he's a Santa Claus and they just start in with what they want? Can you imagine one of your friends listening And all you do is talk about what you want them to do for you. How long would your relationship with them go? And it's really important that we start to praise. And do you think he felt like it? Because we're going to talk about him being very upset. Certainly he was not feeling praiseworthy at that point. But he decided to praise God before he started his long journal on this. And so... I think that's another lesson for us, is that when we don't feel good, we can still say nice things, right? All right. By the way, Mrs. White says, the enemy tells you that if you do not feel your prayers, you better wait lest your prayers would be a mockery. But you must say to Satan, it is written, men ought always to pray, and we should pray until we have the burden of our wants upon our souls. Our Lord made it our duty to connect with his strength. And that is from PR 268. So Asaph is going to admit his feelings to God in verse 2. Can we admit our feelings to God? Does God know about our feelings? Before we even tell him about it, right? He knows. Okay, so verse 2. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Have any of you been so upset over something that you felt weak? or faint, or like you were getting dizzy? Have you ever been that upset? By the way, they call that vasovagal syncope, and it occurs when there's physical pain or emotional distress. You ever heard of somebody fainting when they were told that somebody died? Absolutely. So very important. So how upset was Asaph when he's telling you that he was ready to faint? He was upset. Any of you, when you're upset, you're really upset? You go from zero to ten really fast? Okay. Number three. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. How many of you have seen people who are definitely sinning and they seem to be living a good life? And they look like everything is just peaceful and happy and they're just having a wonderful life? Yeah. He's being vulnerable here. He's actually telling God how upset he feels about this. Do you ever, what would you call that when he was looking at them and upset over the fact that they're doing good? What would be another word for that? Envy. Envy. Another word? Jealousy. Jealousy. Perhaps you struggle with that too. Envy and jealousy is an unthankful way of thinking, isn't it? It occurs when a person feels they're lacking something that another person has, right? Jealousy is more of a self-love. It's like, I'm going to protect myself. It's not, I'm worried about you or I have a a serious concern about your welfare. I'm worried about myself and how you're going to impact me. So jealousy is a very personable one. But envy is looking at another person and thinking, they have a better life than me, and they're very upset. They think, God is not giving me what I deserve. Christians can feel that way because... There's a prosperity message out there that says that Christians shouldn't have any problems and that they should always be doing something that makes them feel good and that they should deserve all kinds of things and riches, even on this earth. But you don't see that happening in the Bible, do you? Did the apostles live richly? Did Jesus live richly? Did he have a Cadillac and a swimming pool and throw pool parties? No, yeah, um, here, here's, I'm going to give you this statement. Envy is counting another person's blessings instead of your own. I'm going to say that again. Envy is counting another person's blessings instead of your own. And I would love to say that I came up with this wonderful thing, but I saw it, it was unknown on the internet. The more we focus on what we do not have, the more miserable we will be, right? And yet, so many of us have so much. And when people are very thankful and grateful, they have a more peaceful and happier life. An envious person, actually, if you ever see a crime story or something like that, many times somebody was envious of someone and so they were angry, and it actually resulted in them doing a murder. So we find that people who are envious is sometimes the root of a person who murders another person. Envy is one of the most potent causes of unhappiness. That's why it's mentioned in the Bible under another word. In fact, it's in the commandments. And what would that be? Covetousness. Wanting something that your neighbor has. Yeah. You don't know if their bodies are full of cancer. You don't know if their lives are miserable. All you know is that on the outside, they look like they're doing okay, right? There's nothing worse than a conscience that's not working well either, is there? There's a lot of pain in that. And so Asaph is now looking at all these people and he's saying, they're all having such a much better life and I'm not getting any pats on the back for anything that I'm doing. Have you ever done something good? And nobody gave you a pat on the back? Hmm. And then he had that all or nothing thinking, and we're going to talk about different types of thinking, and you're going to have a list of that in a few. And it's like all or nothing. If I don't have these things, then I'm worth nothing. My life is worth nothing. If I am not prosperous, if I'm not getting a pat on the back, if people aren't thanking me for my contributions to the music or whatever, then I am worth nothing, and I just would rather not even be living. He's just mad at the world. You ever heard of people like that? All or nothing. What eggs they are all in one basket, right? And by the way, Asaph was a Levite. Do you know anything about them? He could not own any land. All he could have by his birth and by the law was anything that um, was... A donation from other people like food, sacrificial meat, grain, and wine. So his entire income was dependent on donations from other people. So he was a big volunteer. Any of you volunteering on campus to do anything? What would we do without our volunteers here at campus, I mean, camp meeting? Is it discouraging to watch crooked people do well? Can you realize that? Asaph, even though it was from the Old Testament, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, does he have something to tell us today? Absolutely. What's the point of doing right if nobody even recognizes that you're doing right? You ever think that way? See, I have lots of answers for that, but we're not going there yet. When we were in the um, seminary at Andrews University, there was, we were living really poor, Um I'm not going to tell you what golden years that was. That was back long ago. And our stipend from the conference was $500, and that was how much our rent was. And so whatever we made on top of that was for our food and our gas or whatever. And several ministers that were from other conferences were our friends, and they said that they found a way to get a big tax deduction so that they had more money to put towards their income and my husband said he didn't think that was right and they said well we we know of other people who've done it and they've gotten away with it and we're going to do it and they were living good i mean they didn't just bring beans and rice to the potluck they had enchiladas and and <laughs> strawberry shortcake and i couldn't afford that and i made you know homemade fake chicken noodle soup and they were making you know, cream of broccoli. I just thought, that's just not fair. And then several years later, maybe two years later, we found out that the IRS knocked at all of their doors and told them that they had done wrong and that they had to give that money back. And you know what I did? Yes! And my husband said... <laughs> You should not be happy that they are hurting and that their finances or whatever. And he said, and you shouldn't be really proud that you did what is right. You need to do what's right, not because you get away with it, but because it's the right thing to do. And that was my first lesson from my husband. And he was right. Shouldn't we do what's the right, whether somebody pats us on the back or not? Or even if it hurts us? So Asaph is going on about those people. Let's go to verse 4. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. That means they're rich. They are not in trouble as others. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. They seem to be living the good life, right? They have yachts and, and mansions and all the rest. Therefore, pride is in their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through their fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and they speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. Is he envious? Is he jealous? And then he talks about them scoffing and speaking with malice. When we have somebody doing that to our children at school, what do we call that? That's right. He felt bullied. Do Christians get bullied? Do children get bullied? Do adults get bullied? Do you sometimes get bullied at work because of how you believe or what you don't do? Did Jesus get bullied? All the time. Have you ever seen the president being all they're always trying to trick him with what they're asking a question of? Jesus was constantly being tricked and trying to they were trying to trip him up on what he said and all the rest. And so when we feel bullied and harassed, We can tell Jesus about it because he knows all about it. He had to face it on this earth. Number nine, they set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues strut through the earth. You ever see a lot of people bragging? We never brag, do we? No. I'm bragging that I never brag, right? Yeah. You ever see anybody brag on social media? Oh, really? There are a lot of people that are depressed because of people's social media, because they are the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. I have, um, over the years, and married couples that have come in for counseling, I noticed that when somebody has an affair that and their spouse comes in for counseling, they tell me they cannot believe their ex-spouse and how they're acting. Now, you would think that an ex-spouse would, who had had an affair would be very sad about what they were doing, but instead, they seem to um, want to make it look like it's not their problem, it was the other spouse's, so they tell them, you were psycho, you were fat, you were ugly, you were cold, you were unkind, You, I wouldn't eat breakfast with you because you're like a dog or whatever. And people tell me they never acted this way, but it's like that surly justifying what you do. Remember children, when you say, don't do that, and well, I had to because, you know, it's that childlike behavior. And then actually that changes their life because instead of apologizing, they continue to go on showing that they were right all along. And it's very, very sad. My mother, I've talked about her before. She always gave me advice. And one of the things she said is, cheaters never prosper well here we are in the end of days and i think she's wrong i think that it looks like they prosper i think that they may even prosper for a period of time i i think that sometimes that they're going to look good for a long time until the end of time right and so and then when you think about people with problems today and all the issues that are going on you know people will come up to me and say is there a book or is there a workbook or is or is there a sermon you can give me and you know what there are so many problems there's so many complex problems in the world and I don't think that there's any book or anything that can fix it other than God because they're like how you unravel some of the things that happen to people and Isaiah 43:1-3 says don't be afraid I've redeemed you I've called your name you're mine And when you're over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be at a dead end because I am God, your personal God, your Savior. Now that's a version called MSG, just like the thing you put in food that's not healthy. That's how you can remember it. That's how I remember it. But when you hear that, I've redeemed you, you are mine, how does that make you feel? Do you recognize... The word of God and what it does for you. And when you said, when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am your God, your personal God, your Savior. Individually, you are so special to him. Don't forget your great worth to God. Verse 10. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know if there's a knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. By the way, did you see that always? We're going to talk about words like always, should, have to, must. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. You know, do you ever think that we tend to exaggerate a little bit when we're upset? They always do that. They never do it correctly. They should be doing it this way. Yeah. So sometimes we have the ability to make things worse by the way we talk. And when I add those words, it makes more stress in my life. And show me somebody who doesn't ex- somebody who exaggerates And show me someone who doesn't have more issues than the person who is neutral and tries to say it correctly. Because people who exaggerate add another layer of stress. Asaph is saying that these people are liars. They're acting like they have it all together even though they're cheating. And do we notice a lot of deception around us? Do we notice that people who do bad things like, I don't know, sell pornography or sell drugs, make money. But we have to have a clean conscience, don't we? And that's really what we want. Um, Do you ever feel like you don't get rewarded for things and that you focus on that too much about why doesn't anybody thank me? When I do something at church, shouldn't I have people telling me I did a really good job? You wonder why God doesn't just smite the enemies, right? Why doesn't he give cancer to all the bad people? Why is it that children have brain tumors that are so innocent? And why doesn't he just punish people right away with a zap of lightning? Any of you sinners? Aren't you glad the Lord hasn't zapped you yet? It's evident that God is merciful and he gives us grace, isn't it? And the reason is why is it that the Lord is still waiting? Because we think he should have come long ago. Remember Mrs. Gotha, I mean um, Billy Graham's wife back in the 80s, 70s, saying, you know, if God doesn't come soon, he's gonna have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And why is it that he didn't come so far? Because it says, 2 Peter 3:9, the Lord does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He wants to give everybody a chance to come to him. So verse 13, All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. He's saying I've been staying pure and still I have to watch these unfair situations. For all day long I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. That might be another exaggeration. But he's saying I've kept all these rules. I've followed the Lord and where is it getting me? You ever thought that? Where is it getting me? I've been nice to people that are really unkind and have done things that are not right. And I'm keeping my heart pure for nothing. Maybe uh, Asaph was a single man. Maybe he was keeping himself sexually pure. And he says, I'm not getting any pats on the back. They all seem to be having such a good time. Fifteen, if I had said I will speak this, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So what he's saying is that I could really tell people a few things about how they're doing. I could go out there and really rip on their reputations but if I do this and get it off my chest and just let go, then I could impact multiple people because of who I am. Do you know that because you're God's child and you represent Him, that when you open your mouth, people are watching, people are listening. He said, I would misrepresent God's reputation. You know, there was a minister who called wanted his daughter to be seen at a doctor's office and he said you know she's just home from the college and um, I want to make sure that you know everything is okay because it's under my insurance and they said no no problem at all his daughter was sick and so he let his daughter go on her own and she got to the office and they said I'm sorry but your parents have to be here to sign for you and You know, it's under your dad's name, and I don't see your name on the card, and so you really can't see the doctor today, and we're going to have to charge you $30 for a a fee because, because, you know, you wasted the doctor's time with not having this checked out. And she said, well, I'm sure my dad called or whatever. So he was mad. Can't imagine it, right? Do you guys feel the pressure right away when you think about it? Don't you notice that we can really well up inside just talking about a situation like that? so he went into the office and then he got there and he said "Um, you know I I called ahead of time and I was trying to help my daughter make sure that everything was paid before she got here to the doctor's office and I was told there was no problem but you guys decided not to see her and you also gave her a late charge and kept his voice really calm and she said well that must have been a mistake I know you talked to me and I I recognize your name And she said, and it must be that it was the new girl that messed up, and I'm really, really sorry about that. And then she said, and I recognize your name because I've been listening to your your prayer talk on the radio. (laughs) And I listen to it all the time, and I'm so impressed with what you're doing on there, and you really speak Bible truth. And he said, I was really thankful that I was tactful and kind Because what would I have done if I had misrepresented God in that moment? Do you have things like that that get under your skin? Like when people cut you off in traffic? Or people ignore you at the the counter, at the store? Or people come in front of you in line? Or you get a bill from the telephone company? Er, Right? How nice are you? Are you giving him a glow track? Yeah. And then he also, he's kind of inferring that he could have left the religion when he was doing this, Asaph. Where do people go when they are Christians? Where do they go? Do you go from faithful to faithless? Or do you go to covered by God to uncovered? Do you notice about how people go out into the world and they are unprotected by God? And it's so sad. So when we're really upset... Why is it that we isolate? Who does the lion get again? Who does he get from the flock? The one who's isolated. And yet you recognize that people who are upset and angry at God often will separate from a church or separate from their religious friends who are praying for them or they, they push themselves away from other people. And yet that puts them in terrible spiritual darkness and at risk. We're going to talk about coping styles. Remember, we discussed all-or-nothing thinking, and we talked about exaggerations. And so I would like to go through these. And, you know, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm still very upset over the ants in my RV. (laughs) So I'm going to apply it to me a few times, and you might get tired of it, but I'm not tired of it. I had one in my shoe today, I had two on my neck, and I had one on my hand. And I had one in my, in my cereal this morning. And my husband figured out the source of where they're coming, so he plugged it up. And guess what? Now they're just staying in the trailer. They don't even go home at night. I just love it. I'm trying to be positive. I, I might start naming them, but they all look alike, and I can't tell which ones they are. It could be the same one that I threw down the sink. He said, do you know that they float? <laughs> I thought I got 18 of them down the drain, but I think that they've all come back to life. <laughs> okay. Cornmeal, yes. Feed them cornmeal. Yes. They're, they're exoskeletons. Feed them cornmeal. The cornmeal swells with water, and they... Oh, I'm feeling homicidal. Oh. Is that right? I want to feed them? Maybe I could spoon feed them. okay. Uh-huh Well, how many cotton balls would you need to put peppermint oil on? I mean, I don't usually dab them at night or anything put it behind their ears (laughs) I could put it on my neck maybe okay so let's go to oh you know what did you did you hand out all of those they might be in a different order than what I have in my notes so I'm stealing one back oh you have some extras thank you thank you thank you no, there's just one. Do you see where it says thinking errors? That's where we're going to go to. Now these are borrowed from um, Alcoholics Anonymous. They're called stinkin' Thinkin'. but they are very good. I think they came from a feeling good book that was in the 90s. But we need to think about it, and I would like you to think about what it is that you often use that is not a good coping skill when you're when you're having an issue. Okay? The all or nothing thinking. Everything is either right or wrong. It's not even though it is not a principle or a standard, you'd like you have to have that color. You you have to act that way. You can't go to that place even though it's not a big deal. That's right. It's also it's also like if I ate one Oreo cookie, I might as well eat the entire Bag, because after all, I already ruined my diet. Or, you know, it's going to rain, so I might as well not go to the meeting tonight. Any of you relate to that? How about, because there's 18 ants in my trailer, I think I should just give it to them. Oh, okay. All right. Over-generalizing. Because you had a problem in the past, you think this will happen again. So you constantly bring up that old thing, and you think that it's always going to happen to you again. So, so you had ants this year, you're going to have ants next year. That's very, very good. Yes, I wonder where I'll be next year. I'll probably have double the ants. Maybe I'll even make it worse. Do you remember there was a lady in here on Monday, and she had hornets? Yeah. But I was in the self-pity mode and I didn't want to hear about her hornets because that was trumping the the sympathy I was getting from all of you. All right. We have a never-ending pattern of defeat by using the word um overgeneralization is like they those ants always are out to get me. You know, my I, my husband puts out these these traps and I say they never work, right? There was a salesman who got upset when he got bird poop on his window, and he said, just my luck, birds are always pooping on my window. You know, just because something happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen again. So we foretell the future by thinking that everything is worse. Worst-case scenario is going to happen again. You get that? None of you think that way, right? Let's talk about other people. No, okay. Okay, disqualifying the positive, you minimize the positive comments and enhance the negative. So somebody, somebody came up to me today and said, I can tell you've lost some weight, but your hair is as curly as, your, as, your, as the gold in your jacket today. Looks like it's pretty frizzy, huh? Oh. <laughs> and so do you think I remember the fact that she said, it looks like you've lost weight? I keep thinking, is it really that frizzy? And then I thought, are people really thinking that I'm trying to create lines like my jacket? Maybe I should take my jacket off today. And I'm like, isn't it amazing how somebody will say good things, but we hold on to the bad things. Like we sift out the good things. It may be that they gave us ten compliments, but we grab to the bad one. One of them hurts. Yes, that's true. I shouldn't be hurt either. My hair's frizzy like all of you, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Discounting, oh, disqualifying the positive. We did we just did that, right? Mind reading. Hmm. Because somebody is about to say something and they've said something before, we're sure that they're gonna say it again. So they only get out two words and you go, I know what you're gonna say. Right? Right, here you go again Yes but we shouldn't be wait we should trust we, we need to give people an opportunity right when we're Christian we're hopeful that they're going to do something different do people change Do you change? Does God expect you to change does God see great hope in the way we're going to act in the future does he think that we're going to be just the way we are or does he expect that He can make some great changes in our personality and our way of acting. Yay. Okay, that's also jumping to conclusions, right? All right. So let me see. There's another one. Shoulds and must. You must do something you should. Don't you notice that people, when we we say that, sometimes it's so that we can motivate ourselves to get something done. But when you're saying that to each other or to yourself or even to other people, it's aggravating, right? You, you never empty the garbage. You always leave your dishes on the, on the table. You never help me with the laundry. Does this, is this adding to your happiness? What if you said, I really appreciate the fact that you helped me with the laundry several months ago, and I'm wondering if you could do that again? <laughs> <laughs> or, or when they pick up their dish off the sink, you say, I... I just, I'm so thrilled to know that you are able to do that. I told you, I have a new son, and, and I had the dishwasher open, and he put his, his, um, his dish in the sink, and I said to him, I want you to know, as a member of this family, that you are welcome to use the dishwasher. You don't have to just put it in the sink. And he went, oh, really? And put it right in there. And, he, and so now every time he has a dish, he goes, Thank you for letting me join the family. <laughs> and I'm like, it takes on, it's the attitude, right? Yeah. That's really good. How about negative labeling? She's a real great crab. You know, he's always nasty. He's a, just the worst person. What if you say, I think he's having a bad day? Actually, in marriage, you know, when you're dating and you're in love and you have. You're you're with that person, and they have a bad day, and you go, oh, he's just having a bad day. But after you've been married for 20 years, you go, why are you having such a bad day? I'm getting tired of it, (laughs) right? Or, you know, somebody's upset about the price, and you go, that's so sweet that you're worried about our finances. And then you go, why are you always being such a stingy person, you know, 10 years later? Our reserves go down with certain people. And that is usually our family members. So watch out because what we continue to expect out of them, we can make them into. Can you believe that? If you lived with a crabby parent, you can make your spouse into a crabby parent. Can you imagine that? Just by the way you talk. People will mirror what you're thinking. All right, let's see. Personalization and blame. Is it easy to blame people? Yeah it is, it is. Why do we do that? We don't want to fix our own problem. And so when I blame somebody else, I don't have to take any acknowledgement that I have a problem. Is that is that a mature way of acting? It's an immature act. It's, it's never saying you're sorry. Remember there was that movie, Love Means You Never Have to Say You're Sorry in the 70s? That's a bunch of garbage. Like when people don't say they're sorry, people don't think they get it. I always tell men, that come in for marriage counseling, if you don't acknowledge what you do, expect that you are creating a nagging wife because she has to keep bringing it up to you and put it in a different way maybe because she wants to know if you got it. And if you say, yes, I, I do need to work on that. I appreciate you bringing that up. She's going to stop because it's now it's off of her desk. She doesn't have to think about it anymore. So that's how it is. Many times we could actually take the wind out of somebody's sails of anger if we would just say we were sorry. And I have, um, especially men will say to me, but I'm not sorry because I didn't think what I did was wrong. I said, can you be sorry that you hurt her feelings? Could you be sorry that you were not being kind or that you weren't listening? Could you apologize for not saying it in a way that's being, you know, thoughtful? Oh, okay. Really makes things better. We need to be sorry for the things that we do to cause people distress. Um, personalization. That's where we take everything personal. Uh, There are ministers that tell me that they preach in their congregations to something that they learned in the Bible, and people come up and go, you were talking to me about that, and I don't appreciate that. And he's like, what was it? What, What part of it was it that you heard? Well, it was when you were talking about being ungrateful, and I know that you think I'm not great. He's like, no, 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 I actually, you know, no, it's because I said something in the board meeting 15 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. All right, is that helpful to look at those? How many of you, I'm not going to ask what, recognize that you have some thinking errors that you need to work on? That it's a something by default that you depend on. Yeah. I'm going to give you some more. When you're having an argument with somebody, I'm sorry, a discussion. That's what my mother would always say when she was having a loud discussion with my dad. It's only a discussion, kids. We're not arguing. If somebody defends themselves, the other person will keep on aggravating until they can get that person to admit. If they minimize what they did, that will keep the argument going. If they demean them and go, way to go, or is that the way you act and they're being sarcastic, that's, that is going to kill the marriage completely. Um, and the fourth is blame. So if you want to have a good discussion, get those things out of your argument, and you will be able to get through it. Okay? Number 16, let's go to verse 16. But when I thought how to understand This, it seemed to me a wearisome task. 17. This is the significant part of this verse. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned the end. Was there a sanctuary when Asaph was there? No. When he went into the sanctuary, what does that mean? Do you know? He went into prayer and meditation with God. He worshiped God. Are there times when you're upset and you don't feel like worshiping God? What does Mrs. White say? When we feel least about prayer is when we need to pray, right? We need to worship God. We need to rise above our feelings and don't let our emotions tell us what to do. Our emotions are not true. They often will tell us the wrong things. If I feel like praying... I might pray, but if I don't feel like praying, I should still pray. Did you ever hear that song, If We Ever Needed the Lord Before? Do you remember that? Come on, you guys got that one line? If we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need Him now. Isn't that true? So when we are not happy and we're upset, make sure that you pray and that you ask the Lord, And our our faith will grow. And also, reciting Bible verses aloud helps us. Just hearing the word brings it to our heart. So Asaph laid out his problems to God, and he was empowered to work on his life. There are probably many times in his life where he didn't want to do that, but he did that. Remember, he started with praise. He laid it all out, and he prayed. And as he prayed, the Lord was able to enter him. I believe that there are many times the Lord wants to enter all of us, but we have not given him permission to enter us. He sits there waiting to be invited, and we have to invite him. And that only happens when we enter the sanctuary. And so as he's in the sanctuary praying, thinking about what God wants him to do, he starts to feel foolish that he was envying those wicked. And when you study the scriptures, your eyes are opened. And this is what he says. Verse 18, Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. God showed Asaph these people were falling in ruin. Those around him that looked like they were doing so well, if they don't turn from their sinful deeds, they were lost. He was, he was not lost, but those people were lost. And God needed Asaph to show them the right way to live And how important it is to serve God. And he needed to use him so that he could have these people in his kingdom. Verse 19, how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by tears. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in the heart, he realized he needed to stop wallowing in self-pity. And when his eyes were on himself, he made poor choices, he needed his eyes to be on God instead. On the back of your page talks about forgiving self. How many of you know that you've forgiven other people, but you have something in your life that you could just not forgive? That you still go back and forward thinking about something you've done and that you're hurt or that you wish you had done differently. And so when we talk about forgiveness, well, let's talk about forgiveness for other people. Does forgiveness mean that what happened was a good thing? No. Does it mean... Okay, let's let's just... I'll I'll come up with a terrible worst-case scenario. Let's say that Uncle Leonard came from Moscow and he... He shot your dog when he came to visit for Thanksgiving. That's a terrible thing, right? Do you need to forgive Uncle... What was his name? No, thank you. Do you need to forget Uncle Leonard? Oh, we're not sure? Do we need to forgive Uncle Leonard? What does the Bible say? Does it mean that Uncle Leonard um, should get off the hook? No, there might be a consequence to it. Does it mean that I should have Uncle Leonard for Thanksgiving dinner? Should it mean that I should get a pet sitter named Uncle Leonard? <laughs> Does it mean that Uncle Leonard might not go to court or what? No, it means that I have to forgive him. So he's forgiven. I'm not going to hold it over him anymore. But what he did was inexcusable, but it's forgivable, right? Forgivable. So. We have to forgive him. Do we have to forgive ourselves? Because what happens when we don't forgive? God what? Is there a reason that you would want to go outside in the world and not have the umbrella of God's safety over your head? We have to forgive ourselves, don't we? People many times ask me, how do I forgive myself? And so I gave you some ideas of things that you can do so that you can actually work on some of the things that you feel like you need to be forgiven for. And at the end, you repent and say, I'm sorry for what I did, Father. You ask for forgiveness. You thank Him for forgiving your sins. And you ask Him, is there anything I need to do so I can accomplish you know, something that needs to be resolved? And God will correct your thinking, and He will take that away. Now, some people say, well, I have forgiven somebody, or I've forgiven myself, but I still keep on having that come up. Well, now, would it be the devil that wants you to be miserable? Okay, If you've forgiven it, God probably wouldn't be bringing it up. But there are times when some of the sins that we have have so many layers, it's like an onion, and it may be that there's another piece of it that you need to look at. And if it's not something new, then you need to let it go. And if it is something new, you say, Lord, forgive me for that part too. I hadn't remembered that. Does that help? Okay, I know we're going over it really fast because time is short, right? All right. Verse 22, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you and you hold my right hand. Asaph remembers and realizes that though he didn't deserve it, God is with him 24-7 holding his hand. In um, Ministry of Healing, it says, God does not bid us to overcome in our own strength. He asks us to come close to His side. Whatever difficulties we labor under, whatever weight weighs down our soul and body, He waits to make us free. Did you hear that? Free. How much is free? It's free, isn't it? That's um, Ministry of healings 249. 24, you guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive my glory. I'm sorry, receive me to glory. He promised if we faithfully walk with him, we'll have eternal life. Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I decide before you? Asaph realizes that only with God can he have real joy, and a real peace, and a real reason to leave. By the way, do you get tired of all the stuff that goes on on earth? How many of you get tired? Okay. How many of you realize that time is short? All right. Well, I just happen to have this rope. And wouldn't it be nice if I could find the end of it while everybody's looking? (laughs) Mm -hmm Mm-hmm-hmm. I tucked it in somewhere. Okay. This is kind of scary. But I wondered if um, you would all pass it along. Would you, I'm gonna, oh, I don't wanna hurt you. It's My liability insurance, human resources down the way. I I think I can throw this. Would you stretch it around the room a little bit? Yeah. Just pass it around. So maybe we can make it all the way, as far as it'll go. Is it gonna get tangled? Oh no. You don't know how many times I wrapped it so it would be perfect. Just like I am. Am I overgeneralizing? Just because it didn't go well in the last time I used it doesn't mean it won't go bad this time, right? Self-pity. It probably won't go good. Can any of you see it over there? It's like not that big, right? Okay. (laughs) All right. Orange has it again, huh? So this represents your life. This is where it began on this earth. This is when you were born. And this is when you die. Does everybody know you're going to die? And we are going along, and we have a very short lifespan on this world where we have to really struggle with the way we're thinking and all the things that the devil sends to us. We get really, really tired. But I want you to know that someday we get to the end and we have all eternity. And we will live without any problems in our minds. We won't have any of the problems that we have down here. We won't have the sadness, the sickness, the deaths we will have this long life with God that's in an infinity. You can't see the end, right? Hide it. Okay, it's in infinity. It's, it's going all the way around the room. Like, it'll be forever. We will live forever in eternity. And so remember, when you get really focused on the problems that you're having, you have a very little time. When you look at Google Earth, You recognize that we're way out there and then you can start to focus and you see the continent of the United States and then you start to see your state and then you see your town and then you see your house. Why do we get so focused on where we're standing and what we're doing when God has this perspective that's so great and He knows how to solve everything? Thank you. That's the end of mine. We really need to recognize that God is in control of our lives and He wants to help us with everything. Ellen White says in Ministry of Healing 249, Never be discouraged. A discouraged person can do nothing. What? They can't do what? Satan is seeking to discourage you, telling you it is no use to serve God, that it does not pay, and that it is just as well to have pleasure and enjoyment in this world. But what will it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? So resist discouragement. Fight back. God wants to renew your mind. Work really hard to take those thoughts and don't let the devil keep them. Feelings don't last. You can Remember, you can change your feelings in just a minute. Words and actions do, but they can be forgiven. People you can't control, but you can control how you are going to react to them when you have God in your heart. Be resilient. Don't let the devil get over on you. Recognize that you are growing, that you are, are still a product of God, and he is working with you. He can heal our mind. He can heal our infirmities. He can lead people to us who can help us. And we just need to be resilient. So I'm going to end with this little story about a little boy. There was a young boy playing baseball all by himself in his backyard. And he said, I'm the greatest batter in the world. So he tosses the ball up in the air and he swings and he misses it. Undaunted, he throws the ball up again and says, I'm the greatest batter in the world. Strike two. He misses it. He inspects the ball, and then he looks at his bat. Hmm, nothing's wrong. Once again, he tosses the ball up in the air, and he says, I'm the greatest batter in the world. He swings, and he misses it. Strike three. Now he says, wow, I'm even a better pitcher. (laughs) I like his attitude, don't you? We need to have an attitude. I I think about Dan Collins. He was a amazing evangelist that we had here. And he used to have some really bad things happen to him. He used to walk into them. He kept saying the Lord was with them, but he would walk into them and he'd go, is that all you can do, devil? Is that all? I don't know if you all remember him. He was like, yeah, is that all? And we really need to say, you know, the devil can't get us down. We will stay stable no matter what. We will change the way we're thinking because God wants to give us victory. Don't you want to be on the winning team? I do. And that's what I pray for you, is that you recognize that even though you have some burdens in your thinking, that God and Jesus are there. They're going to help you with what you're doing. The Holy Spirit is here to impact us. And it is a journey, but don't give up because we'll be there soon. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you see hope in us, that you know our infirmities, that you've been on this earth and know what it's like to think this way and to have the devil trying to um, insert thoughts. May, Lord, um, we be wise and know when that's happening so that we can depend on you. We know you want to lift our burdens and we thank you that you have forgiven us of our sins Um, We ask that you will help us to not get into these mind problems, but you will help us to move forward so that we can be better representatives of you. Thank you for each person here and who they represent in your holy name, amen. This media was brought to you by AudioVerse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about AudioVerse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons,